Well, good evening there, sloggy kiddos. It is December 13th, 2021. Year's almost over. Christmas is almost here. Isn't everybody happy about that? Yeehaw! And I'll be home in nine days. Can't wait to see you guys. Well, so where were we with our reading? This uh, this story about David we've been doing here the last month or two through 1 Samuel and now into 2 Samuel. Just got to warn you, it's come from uh, David being a super ultra honorable man, even in the face of persecution with Saul and Saul's craziness and unreason towards him unreasonableness towards him to now David is like really choosing to sin and do bad things. And I got to warn you guys, it's going to get kind of sad here. Seeing David just kind of spiral down into really bad choices. And then here's the worst part, really bad consequences of his sinful choices, and the worst thing of all is his family, his relationships with his children and his wives and his people, his subjects, suffer greatly too. So because of one man's sin and personal choices, even even after he's done magnificent things for God and God's people, um, those choices can horribly affect and will, you will find, they horribly affect his family, his children and his wives and everybody around him and especially him too. Um, this next chapter is really tough. It's really graphic and it's really, it's one of those, ooh, it's just... It's kind of depressing to read and think about these things. And you guys are probably going to have some questions about this stuff um, after I read it. But uh, uh, let me summarize it first here. Absalom was David's son. Does anybody remember who who's Absalom's mom was? I don't. I'm sorry. I don't offhand. Um you guys know from what we read before that David took a lot of wives. I mean, there's like five or six that are named and then maybe more that are named and then other ones that are not named, but we know they're out there. So what happens to, and this doesn't happen for the most part in America anymore or many places in the world, but if you have the same dad but different moms, that makes you a half-brother or a half-sister with, um, with the other kids in your family who have a different dad or a different mom. So sometimes it happens with death. Let's say this is a really bad thought, and I hope it doesn't happen. But let's say daddy dies. Just this is a fiction story. Daddy dies and mommy eventually gets married again and has another kid. I don't see 
I don't see, I am just really hoping none of this happens. But we need to talk about these things, you guys. Um, sooner or later, we have to hash through all this. So, anyways, mommy has another baby. Daddy's gone to heaven. I'm looking down on you guys. Having a lot of fun. Um, but anyways, you have another baby. What do you want? Baby brother? Baby sister? I don't know. That baby brother or baby sister would be your half-brother or half-baby sister because same mommy but different daddy. Okay, Lord Jesus, we're just going to take all those thoughts and just chain them up, set them aside because <clears throat> I have all plans and intents and my purpose is to stay with you kids as long as you can stand me so I can get back at you someday by making my own messes that you guys got to clean up. So anyways, there are such a thing, and you will meet kids, if you haven't already, who have half-brothers and half-sisters. And, oh, by the way, I don't know, Lily or Gideon, if we talked about this, but Papa Sloganop might have had a, another baby with another gal besides Nana Sloganop after they got divorced. Divorce is another way you can end up with half-brothers and half-sisters. So there's a little like five- or six-year-old kid out there who was born to a gal by the name of Misty. That was my dad's girlfriend for a while. And there's a chance he may be my half-brother. Pretty crazy, huh? But I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's the case or not. It's just a possibility. But yeah, that's that's life, you guys. Life, here's another little precursor to this chapter we're going to read. Life is way simpler if you wait till you're mature enough to be married and can manage close relationships like a husband and wife relationship. If you wait till you're mature enough and your relationship skills are developed enough and you are able to set aside your selfish desires, because we all have them, and you're willing to put the other person's needs first, at least part of the time when you, when needed. So it's so much easier to wait till you're mature enough to get married and then to stay married, to not give in to any temptations of walking away from a marriage if it gets tough, like a lot of people do, or if your wife or your husband does something really bad and you say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to leave them. They're They're just too big of a sinner for me. Uh, it's so easy. Life is so much easier, in theory, to wait till you're the right person to get married and then wait to find the right person to marry and then stay married for the rest of your life. Poor David's life got endlessly complicated with all of these wives and all of these children who... Some were full brother and sisters, but most of them were looking at each other as half-brother and half-sister with only King David in common. 
So um, we're going to read about some half-brothers and half-sisters interacting with each other in very sinful ways. And I've told you guys, we've told you, you know, we've talked through some of this, but brothers and sisters aren't ever to like be attracted to each other as like a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, think about uh, being married. That just doesn't happen. You don't do that with brothers or sisters or even cousins um, for that matter. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something you just don't do as brothers and sisters. And it's a good thing. You don't have to worry. Yeah. You, you protect your brothers and sisters from guys who would want to like, like Gideon, you know, guys that try and do funny things to your sisters, come up and like smooch them or pinch their butt or something like that, or poke them in the side. You'd be like, Hey, get your hands off my sister. And girls, for that matter, you can do the same to Gideon. Like, you've probably seen girls like, tee hee hee hee, oh Gideon, you're so cute. Um, you know, come up and like, try and do grade school romantic things, or at least talk that way. It's just, it's silly, and it's immature, and uh, it's nothing that kids who are not, well, kids period, but Anybody who is not serious about seeking a marriage relationship, and we know there's lots of things things that got to happen before you can get married. Um, yeah, unless you're ready to be married and you're looking for a spouse, you don't have any business flirting, kissing, touching, goofing around with uh, any of the opposite sex. Um so let's talk about that word, sex. Sex is, and probably you've heard, I know you've heard that word before, but I don't know if you've heard mom or daddy explain it. Sex is the act, the biological act, where a mommy and daddy come together and they use their private parts and their private parts get together and um, a male's cells come into a male cells out of his penis or wiener, come together and make a baby uh, inside mommy's tummy. It comes and meets an egg inside of her private parts. And those two things come together and in eventually in nine or ten months make a baby. And you can't have a baby without the father's seed or the father's sperm coming together in the act of sex with a male and a female or a mommy and daddy. And yes, um, people make babies outside of marriage. That's a really, really bad thing for everybody when that happens. But um, we can talk more about that when I get home or you can talk about it with mommy. But that's without uh, getting into it. Too much detail and all the anatomy and stuff. Mommies and daddies come together with the act of sex. And daddy's um, seed or sperm or cells um, come together with mommy's seed or sperm. I'm not she Mommy has, a, has eggs. And um, they implant in mommy's uterus or, or womb. 
and uh, that's where the baby goes. So um, that all happens in marriage. And yes, there are physical attractions like, you know, lots of times I hug and kiss mommy because I'm attracted to her because I think she's beautiful and she's physically attractive to me and vice versa for mommy towards me. Um, so that's one of the things that drew me to mommy. I thought, oh, she's pretty cute. I like her. She's, she's very attractive to me. And, uh, you're going to see here in this chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 13, where Absalom, David's son, was attracted, and this is where the ew factor comes in, um, where Absalom was tr attracted to one of his half-sisters, and he did sinful things toward her. So without further uh, explanation, I'm just going to read this. And I want you kids to um, think think about it and ask questions if you want, and uh, we'll we'll talk our way through it. I wanted to read this as God's word to you because God wants us to know the these kind of relationships exist and the uh, things that cause them and the the background and the setting and the uh, the context where these things can happen, where there's a bunch of half-brothers and sisters running around who are connected partly through their father, but not through their mothers. So anyways, I'm just going to read it. Um, another thing I'll tell you, um, when a man forces himself physically on a woman and tries to make babies with her, it's called rape. So he, he violates her. He tries to get her naked and touch her private parts with his private parts. And that's called rape. And that's a high crime. It's a felony. It'll get you put in jail for many, many years. In some cultures, it's punishable by death. And I think uh, in ancient Jewish culture, it was punishable by death. And that's also one of the things that happens here in chapter 13. Okay, enough talking, Daddy. Here we go. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. And Amnon, I, I messed up, you guys, Absalom... Uh, Absalom and Amnon are brothers. And uh, Amnon is half-brothers with Tamar. Absalom is full brother and sister with Tamar. So just think of Absalom and Tamar as, uh, you know, our relationships. But then Amnon... Think of Amnon being a half-brother, and it's kind of, just think of the non part as negative. So that's how you can keep them straight. Okay, I'll start over. Now Absalom, Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. And Amnon was so tormented 
that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible that Amnon, it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. That's weird. Verse 6. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. Okay, I got to stop there. That's, that's weird. That's all really weird. We just got to call this out, call it what it is. It's weird. It's perverted. It's deceitful that Amnon would want to lie to the king, to his father, and persuade him to make Tamar come and do this weird little cooking show in front of him for his pleasure. And what we call that, you guys, whenever you are uh, staring at somebody just to take in their beauty in a in a non-righteous kind of way, it it is so good to look at, like for me to look at you guys and say, man, what a bunch of healthy, good-looking kids. Lord, thank you for their health and their their uh, natural beauty. And it's a good thing for me to look at uh, my wife and say, man, I'm so happy I married a beautiful, physically attractive woman. Thank you, Lord. That's so cool. I'm so glad I get to hang out with a good-looking, a good-looking woman like my Mary Melissa. It is not a righteous thing to say, "Oh, I am just so infatuated with this person. I could just stare at them all day because of X, Y, and Z physical traits." That is called lusting, you guys, and lusting is a sin. You don't want to lust in a purely physical matter over anybody or anything. Some people can lust over a pickup truck or a, you know, a nice home or a farm. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Or land, you know, there's a lust of the flesh and Sometimes that can extend to other things besides uh, other people, looking at other people lustfully. You know, and usually what we're talking about is is just a man looking at a, a woman lustfully. So anyways, um, Amnon is going to convince the king to 
allow Tamar to come before him while he's supposedly sick, and so he can lust over her while she makes uh, bread or cakes for him. Um, you know, okay, weird, the weird show. All right, verse 7. Then David sent home to Tamar. Oh, okay, cool. So King David is being persuaded by Amnon, the deceiving sick guy. Okay, verse 7. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house. Hey, King David, it's half-brother. Don't, don't forget about that. Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. Verse 8. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house where he was lying down. And she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, send everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. This would be servants and friends and anybody attending to him because, you know, he's one of the king's sons and he's got a little entourage. Everyone was sent away from him. Verse 10. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. Weird show. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you will be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Verse 15. Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go! But she said to him, No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. And she laid her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. Okay, we'll stop right there, kiddos. That's at the end of uh, uh, verse 17. So, so um, Amnon grabs her and he says, Come here, lie with me. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, 
Tamar says, my goodness, no, don't do this right now. She did say, if you must do this, talk to the king first because he would not withhold me from you. So evidently, you guys, and this is something you can research or I can research, but perhaps the king was able to give a half daughter away in marriage to another one of his sons. That sounds pretty weird and perverse, but maybe it was Jewish custom that if the king blessed it or the king approved of it, it could be done. So that's an assumption I'm making. Uh, I don't know what the details of that are. That's where I'm learning with you here. So if you ever find that out, let me know. I'll let you know too. But anyways, all of this, this love word that we're using here, I think is being thrown around pretty loosely. I think if we looked in the Hebrew, it's probably going to equate more to infatuation or lust. But I could, I could check that out too for you. So anyways, after uh, Amnon violates her, rapes her, uh, lays with her, he starts to hate her and um, doing all this with a perverse heart and a sinful heart. He continues his sin and, and hates her. Maybe he blames her. I don't know. But anyways, um, Amnon starts hating uh, Tamar. And she is shamed now because he did this terrible thing to her. And um, she laid her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. Okay, verse 20. And her brother Absalom said to her, Oh, her, okay, now here's Absalom, you guys. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So... Tamar lived, a desolate woman, in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard of, these, of all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon, because he had violated his sister Tamar. Verse 23, after two full years, Absalom had sheep shears at Baal Hazor, which was near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go, lest we be burdensome to you. He pressed him, but he would not go. But he pressed him, but he would not go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. You guys smell what's coming up here? Absalom's begging King David to let Amnon come with them out to the sheep-shearing uh, field by this town. 
And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed him until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Then Absalom commanded his servants, Mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each mounted his mule and fled. Okay, did you catch what happened there, kiddos? Absalom takes Tamar in, hates Amnon for the horrible thing he did to his sister, doesn't talk to him for two years, but then somehow convinces King David to let everybody go out to the sheep-shearing field with him. And then he has him murdered by his servants. Absalom says, do it. I'm telling you, this is what is going to happen. Be courageous and be valiant. I'm ordering you to do this. And they did it. So, Amnon is dead. Okay, verse 30. While they were on the way, news came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants who were standing by tore their garments. But Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day he violated his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king so take it to heart as to suppose that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon alone is dead. You guys, do you see this Jonadab guy stepping back into the scene here? Jonadab was the one who whispered in Amnon's ear to how to trick King David and Tamar into, into you know, um, getting alone together in the first place. Now Jonadab's stepping back in and he has this specific knowledge about Amnon's plan from the beginning to kill Amnon. I don't know about this Jonadab guy. I think he's a cousin of um, Absalom. Yeah, he's the son of Shimea, David's brother. So he's Absalom's cousin. Ooh. So this Jonadab guy's bad news. Here's another study for us, you guys. I want to know what Absalom's name means in Hebrew. I want to know what Jonadab's name means in Hebrew. I want to know what Tamar's name means in Hebrew. And I also want to know what Amnon's name means in Hebrew. 
because I think that will give us a little more dimension to this story too. It'll paint the picture a little better for us. Oh, and also that town where the sheep shearers were, Baal Hazor. Hazor. Baal Hazor. I can look those up sometime. Um, okay. Back to verse 34. But Absalom fled, and the young man who kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come. As your servant said, so it has come about. And as soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came up and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very bitterly. Excuse me. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son day after day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead. Oh my gosh, you guys. I just got to tell you, this was hard for me to read. And I thought, oh goodness, should I read all this stuff? But of course I should. I want to keep reading the story to you guys. And you need to know about um, all of these bad things that happened. Because it's history. And it happened to King David and his family. And not only was there rape and um, murder, King David did all of these crazy, uh, goofy things with his children that never should have happened. And he knew that uh, Amnon should have been punished because at the very end here it says his spirit the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom, even though he had committed murder, because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead. So David should have punished Amnon or banished him or have done whatever, but he never did anything to Amnon. Amnon was still a free man. And poor old Tamar was the one who uh, was kind of kept up in uh, Absalom's house as a desolate woman. You know, she was kind of out of society. Uh, just This just sad. Every Everywhere you look, it's sad. And who's the leader of it all? Who's in charge? Yes, of course, it is King David. And this, in addition to all the sin that David committed personally to bring all this about, he continues to sin by not letting justice come to his family and specifically come to the situation of Amnon 
and Tamar. Uh, so it's just sad. It's so sad. Now Absalom's gone. And uh, Amnon's dead. So David, poor David. You can feel bad for him, but he has brought a lot of this, brought all of this on himself. And God wants us to know this. God wants us to see the consequences of what happens and what a crazy, tangled up, ugly, sinful, I mean, and I mean truly ugly mess of sin. Now, let me ask you this, you guys. Is there any clear path out of all of this sin and destruction at this point? No, there is not. It is just so, so unfortunate and sad and depressing how deep David is into the consequences of sin and how deep his children are into the consequences of his sin. And I'm talking about the sin of taking so many wives and then not um, doing stupid things like not laying down clear boundaries for his children and half-children and teaching them better and letting little snakes like Jonadab influence his family, his children. So, like I promised you at the beginning, this was a super hard chapter to read. has a lot of, like, grown-up stuff in it, but I've told you guys lots of times, I'm not going to tell you every last nasty thing that's out there in the world that's that's horrible i try and avoid the nasty thing the nastiest of nasty things myself but i do want to tell you the truth about stuff and if it's in god's word god wants us to know it so um but take heart god tells us these things so we don't make the same mistakes in our hearts or god forbid in our lives so we know what sin looks like and where sin can lead us. Even the people that God has blessed the most and who have loved God the most can fall into sin. And so quickly, it's just been a couple chapters ago, David was at the top of his game. Anyways, I'm going to pray. I didn't realize I'd taken this long just for one chapter. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Um, we know your word is truth and Jesus, you are the living word. So by reading your word and meditating on it and digesting it and pondering it and learning the lessons from it, we get to know you better, Lord Jesus, and we see your love for us and you just flat out love that you have for us and how you love us and you want to keep us safe from sin and in the consequences of this sin and, our, and the consequences of that our loved ones would have to bear uh, for sin, especially, you know, these, these kinds of sin patterns and, and ruts that David, King David, got into. Um, thank you, Lord, for trusting us with these stories and for the truth. And I trust you, Holy Spirit, to um, use your word uh, for 
your to bless my children, my children, uh, as they listen to it and read the Bible, the whole Bible, including this chapter. Um, Lord, I trust, I trust their ultimate teaching and upbringing to you and, and your Holy Spirit's influence on their souls and on their spirits. So, Lord, the same prayer stands that Mary and I had when the kids were born is that they would belong to you and their hearts would belong to you and their souls and their spirits would belong to you. So, um, Father, I pray that your word would go out and accomplish its good purpose and not return void anytime we read to them. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we want to love each other righteously and uh, in all purity and with all respect and teach us to have righteous, pure relationships with each other as a family and also with those outside our family and teach us how to seek a good mate, a good husband or a good wife and then and get married and avoid all this stuff. And uh, Lord, bless those people out there whom we know who have half-brothers and half-sisters or are or have stepbrothers and stepsisters. Um, they have an extra challenge, and you can bless them, Lord, even, even with that extra challenge. And Lord God, if there's ever an opportunity to support people with in mixed families or blended families who have stepbrothers and stepsisters or half-brothers and half-sisters, uh, Father, we know you love them with your, uh, your hesed, love, your loving kindness. It's the same for them as it is the same for us. So um, thank you, Lord. Thank you for our family. And we pray that we would love each other and respect each other and appreciate each other as you would want us to do. And thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you for your word and thank you for this uh, story about King David. And we're going to keep Keep going through it all and learn what you have for us. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Okay, kiddos, I love you very much. Um, clock's ticking for Christmas break coming up here. I'm excited for you guys. You all need a break, especially Mommy. She works so hard. But you guys have worked hard too, getting up early and going to school and doing what you do. I really respect that, and I'm proud of you guys. I I didn't like school, especially when I got older. A little secret. I might have told you that before, but you guys are doing great, and I'm proud of you. Proud of the job you're doing. You should be, you should be proud of your hard work. So, anyways, love you guys. Catch you later. Have a good night. Bye-bye.